My name is Katrina Goldie, and I am an IEP coach and a special needs parent. And I am Heather Wright, a special education consultant and certified special education teacher. And thanks for joining us today on this episode of our podcast. And I thought today we would talk a little bit about inclusion, but inclusion of classes in the school building itself. So I know, Katrina, we've talked about how much inclusion is important and having a child with special needs, you want your child to be included with their neurotypical peers consistently on a regular basis and not just to say they're included, right? Right. Absolutely. So when I was teaching and I taught middle school for a long time, um, I didn't know what it could look like in a building. Like I'm not the building planner. I'm not the classroom planner. I'm not like deciding which classes go where. And when I went to teach, I get a schedule that says you're teaching this level math at this time. Here's your classroom. You're teaching this level science. You're going to this classroom back and forth. Well, I come to find and realize very quickly that a lot of our special ed classes, not the co-taught classes, not your gen ed classes, but your small group, even self-contained classrooms were mostly put on one hallway of a building. So they were not with the sixth grade classrooms if they were a sixth grade math class. They weren't with the seventh grade, eighth grade. And I just found that that was frustrating and just not right. I I just. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you said that because I, until we talked about this a few weeks ago, I hadn't really thought, um, like I knew where the kids' classrooms were and things like that. But the special education classrooms, are in my son's K to two school very much separated from where his typical peers, like when he was in kindergarten, mm-hmm. his classroom was the entire opposite side of the building. So their buildings like in a U shape. Okay. And he was on the left-hand side it, for his kindergarten class. And that whole hallway is the kindergarten hallway. And then when he had to be pulled out for math and reading for special education, he had to go the whole way around the U to the complete opposite side of the building Mm -hmm. to go to the special special education classroom. Yeah, I just don't, I don't like that. I I don't. Um, And when I was teaching, it's hard to kind of push against what's normally done, right? You hear, well, that's what's typically been done and that's how we work. Right. But it was frustrating for me and especially frustrating for me when I heard my students come to me on a different side of the building and not want to be in my classroom, not necessarily because they didn't want me as a the, the math teacher or, you know, they didn't like me, but they felt ostracized or ugh, people know that this is the special ed wing, even though that's not what we called it in the building. It was a specific right. like title of a, of a, of the hall or on the, on the wing, but like, Right. The kids knew if you go to that part of the building, you're getting extra help. You're getting potentially special education help. And they really were fighting back on that. And, you know, for right. your child in early elementary school, this might not necessarily be so impactful to them at this point is that they're not always self-aware about what other you're kids are thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. But by the time, <clears throat> excuse me, they get to middle school 
everything and middle school is hard in general <laughs> like, right. it's tough you're trying there's to a lot of transition in middle school the yeah. transitions the social cues all of it and my middle school kids sixth seventh and eighth graders were really frustrated and just like I don't want to come to special ed I don't want to come to your class and it wasn't just my class but it was everybody else's classrooms that were on that specific hallway right. um and I remember us as a department having conversations with admin that we need to change things up, you know, not just be right. in the portables either. Like whether the portables were outside, you know, of a different hallway, we needed to really try to strategically place our special education classrooms in areas of the building that were accessible to everybody. And I right. understand logistics. You're not going to put not everybody, it's not going to work for everybody, right? Even if you can right. put a, a, a classroom like in the center of the building, then it's not going to work for every student, but at least it works right. for majority. So when I left a few years ago, we did, we had some classrooms on the wing of the building that they want to call special education, but mm-hmm. we also had classrooms that were on the sixth grade wing, the seventh grade wing, and the eighth grade wing. And it just felt so much more inclusive and I didn't right. hear the kids complain about coming to our classrooms right. and it was just so empowering for them and don't get me wrong things still need to change we need to make better improvements right and I it, it's, yeah, it's far from where it was but it has changed so much but having those conversations is hard to do and yes. it's not something that is is or can be mandated in an IEP, right? Like I can't put in an right. IEP that they're that the specific classroom is not going to be the the location of this special education class, right? But right. those conversations can take place inside of an IEP meeting as a parent concern. Right. And like it can be it take place between teachers and administrators. Mm-hmm. And for example, myself, I've developed a bit of a relationship with the special ed um, district coordinator. Mm -hmm. So that's a conversation that I actually would feel comfortable taking to her in a conversation we're having as well. Right. So it doesn't need to, to just be IEP time. It can be any time and it can be any member of special, even not even special education, general ed teachers. It might be a concern from that for them. Mm -hmm. They might hear their students discussing their feelings about it being for lack of a better word segregated right yeah I just think it's super important to have those discussions and have that conversation if you have your I know you guys are going into IEP season where you live right now um yes and having those (laughs) conversations at that meeting isn't necessarily going to change it for this this school year right? The building's already laid out this year. The classes are already laid out, but it could potentially change for next year because I know where I came from in the district that I was in, they started planning classrooms, maybe not right now, but April, May, and then the summer for what that looked like for the fall. So you have to be strategic in where you're trying to place classrooms and just be cognizant and aware of, could this be perceived as a special ed wing? Could this be perceived as not inclusion? Right. Special ed kids, kids that have special needs, 
learn a lot from neurotypical peers, but neurotypical right. peers also learn a whole lot from neurodivergent, right? Oh my, yeah. neurodivergent <laughs> peers. <laughs> yeah. So it's important for both to have an inclusive relationship and having and starting those conversations about where classrooms are located is part of awareness and bringing inclusion to your school building. For sure. Like, and I'm just, uh, just as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, how could our school make it better? Mm-hmm. But there's, um, there are second grade classrooms down that hallway, but there's two special education classrooms. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that they couldn't be divided and right. have one on that end of the school and have another on the other end of the school or even in the center of, of the school. Like there's no reason for them to be together other than to maybe um, make communication between the special ed teachers easier. Mm-hmm. I, I, I... I don't want to, I want to, I guess I want to preface that or, you know, hit on that. You said, make it easier for the special ed teachers. And while I can appreciate that being a former special education teacher, it's for me, it's about the kids. Like absolutely, we we have to like keep them in the forefront of the conversation. And while it might be more work for us, if the classrooms are spread out, we might have to strategically figure out how to plan with another special ed teacher or grade level person or whatever that looks like. If it's in the best interest of the kid, why are we not doing it? Or at least having the conversation about how we can make this better. Um, Right. And something else that I was, you know, thinking about as we were talking about this is just by moving a classroom or moving a classroom into a more centralized location, please don't put that special ed classroom in a room that seems or appears to be less than in size or less than in resources available than another classroom. Right. It shouldn't be the closet at the end of the hall. It shouldn't be the, you know, maybe not a closet, but the size of a closet, right? Yes. Please make sure that the environment that you're putting children in is conducive to education and conducive to learning and even meeting their needs. Right. Yes, special education classrooms typically have a smaller teacher to student ratio, but that doesn't mean that they should be in the smallest classroom in the building either. Right. Um, so that, I mean, those are absolute conversations that I think parents need to start having, teachers, gen ed and special ed alike, with admin and potentially yeah. even like district people if it comes up, you know, like don't just go straight to the top and go above the food chain to the, the superintendent and say this needs to change. Start at your school level and see if we can make some changes there. Right. And come, if you're going to propose a change, kind of come with a solution and not just, y'all aren't doing this correct. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And and it's, I don't believe that everything will ever be perfect. mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing is there's always room for improvement in anything, in general ed, in special ed, bringing a, a solution or an idea in order to help improve the overall environment mm-hmm. should never be frowned upon. No. And you should never feel uncomfortable. Like uh, um, I know that sitting at an IEP table can sometimes be intimidating because there's, you know, five or six of them and mm-hmm. one or two of, 
parents, but you're all a team and you all want what's best for the kids. Right. So bringing ideas in order to make all children include more included, make their environment better, make the overall day better should never um, make you uncomfortable. Right. I know it does, but I think a good IEP team, a good administration is going to be open to ideas of how to make school better. Right. And sometimes if you don't have a background in special education, you might not think about inclusion opportunities that aren't just putting kids in different gen ed classes. You might not consider a class location being a form of inclusion. So bringing the awareness, having those conversations, the more you know, you do better, right? right? So right. it's it's not coming in there with, you know, guns ablazing and, you know, being angry. You can be upset about it, but just coming with the idea of like, let's try to change this. And right. keep in mind, special education is still very young. <laughs> it's in the, in, in the, the United States. Things. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're not talking that this has been around for thousands of years or hundreds of years. Like there's a whole lot of room for improvement and having those brief conversations and being the squeaky wheel sometimes, like you've had the conversation and you feel like it's gone on deaf ears, then have it again and keep bringing it up that this is what you want. This is what you want to see. The kids are talking about this. We need to have inclusion opportunities where classrooms are not just in one wing of the building and the perception isn't that's the special ed wing, whether that's special ed classes or self-contained special education classes. We need right. to make and sure that we're having that. It affects their future too. Like if kids are seen that have disabilities, like it, there are more significant visible disabilities, like a child in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. If these children are seen by all of the population, in the future, it's not going to be abnormal to mm-hmm. see them in a workplace environment. Mm-hmm. And th- I think that's the long-term goal with inclusion is we normalize it while they're young, while they're still learning, while things are really, um, kids are more accepting at really young ages Mm -hmm. and then if that continues and when they go into adulthood and into an inclusive post-secondary education or into a work environment they're going to expect to see what they've seen through their whole school careers right is diversity a whole different group of people that they grew up with. Right. Yeah, I love that. I, I, we, we just need to start having those conversations. And it's, it's not just parents having those conversations. Teachers, general teachers, special ed teachers, connections teachers, admin, librarians. We just need to start having those conversations. And, and if you're a parent of a child and you're not sure, ask your kid. You know, ask your kid where their classes are. They'll tell you if they're able to, you know, if they're able to verbalize where they're telling or where their classrooms are. And if they can't, just bring it up in a conversation with the the IEP team or in even casual conversation doesn't necessarily need to be so formalized. Um, Just start asking questions. 
And if you are not comfortable having that conversation, that's fair. There are people that can help you. Mm -hmm. Either one of us for sure. (laughs) Yes. Or, or, I mean, you can ask a friend, a family member, another um, special needs parent, another teacher, other people can help you. If this is something that you think about, like we do ask for help. Yes. Reach out to myself, reach out to Katrina, reach out, like you said, to any family friend or if you're friends with the teacher, ask them like, Hey, I just thought this was a concern. Can we bring it up and we talk about it? Or what's the thoughts, you know, like you don't have to be afraid, but I also understand that it very could, it could very well cause some anxiety to have that conversation. So if you're needing support, reach out to one of us. If you're needing support and you're not one on one to reach out with one of us, then reach out to a family friend, maybe the classroom teacher, your spouse, um, and it doesn't need to be confrontational. So I think, again, the more you know is very helpful to change the process, you know, and mm-hmm. when you know better, you do better. And we just need exactly. to start having those in co- those conversations consistently about what's in the best interest of our kids, gen ed and special ed alike. So I know that we're almost out of time today, Katrina, but I want to keep having this conversation and, and bringing up inclusion as much as it can be and for our viewers thanks for listening today and we will chat soon thanks guys